we're continuing with what's love got to do with it. And just by way of a recap, last week I said that we were created by God to do life together. Anybody figure that out by now? Okay, by now we've, it's probably, okay, I get the message. So we were created by God to do life together. And I said that in some way or other, it involves relationships, all right? You can't get away from the fact that we are relational people. And I said to you that relationships actually flow out of a love relationship that you have with God. And we said that Jesus answered that lawyer. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul, with everything that's within you. And I said, if you got that vertical relationship good and it's intimate, you're intimate with God, then out of that flows every other love for mankind. And so I said to you in the weeks gone by that God's formula for healthy, flourishing relationships is what? Loving God. Then I got you to love yourself. Would you love yourself a little bit this morning? I see some of you didn't get much love, so just love yourself this morning. All right, love God, love yourself, and then love others. That's the formula. And I said to you as well that when you have a love relationship with God, you have the power to love others purposely and intentionally. Whether they love you back or not is not your problem. All right? But if you have a love relationship with God, you will have the power to be able to love people intentionally. And I said to you that because this theme for this year is limitless 2019, limitless, all right? And of course, we are believing God for the physical things, but more than the physical things that God wants to give us and bless us with, He's more interested in relationships. He's interested in your relationship with Him. He's more interested in your relationship with your spouse. He's more interested in your relationships with others, amen? And so I said, come on, if we're going to experience limitless 2019, we've got to get our relationships in order. Can you say amen? And I said to you that, come on, that's our vision. Our vision is to take everybody across the Jordan and into the land of Canaan that flows with milk and honey, that everybody would inherit the promises. Not when we get to heaven. Thank God we're going to heaven, all right? But what about while we are on this earth? Should we live a defeated lifestyle? Should we live discouraged and depressed? Should we live with anger and bitterness and, and, and oh, but when I get to heaven, Pastor, yeah, but what about now? Hello, what about now? Amen. So our job is to what? Get everybody across the Jordan and into their land that flows with milk and honey. And essentially, that's the reap vision. What is the reap vision? Reaping everything Jesus accomplished can we all say it one more time right across the campuses, reaping everything Jesus has accomplished for the glory of God? One more time. That's our job, and, and part of that is to 
make disciples of every single person. That's our job. And how are we going to do that? Through the REAP vision, which the acronym is we're going to reach, we're going to establish, we're going to activate, we're going to plant. What does that mean? Well, the REACH simply means helping people to know God. The establish simply means what? Finding freedom. The activate means what? Discovering your purpose. And the plot means? I'm planted to? I'm planted to? Make a difference. Amen. And then last week, I know I spoke a little bit about how it's important that we love ourselves. And I know that I sang the Justin Bieber song, uh, but I, I, we, I said not, we're not going to love ourselves the way the world loves themselves, all right? And I said to you this, I, I made this statement, I said it's very important to know that the ability to love ourselves is based on our ability to receive God's love for ourselves. If you're not able to receive God's love for you, you're going to have a hard time loving yourself. If you can't love yourself, you're not going to be able to love others. How many of you remember that? All right. Now, today, this week, and for two weeks, I'd like to speak a little bit about loving others. Amen? Loving others. We've spoken about loving God. We spoke a little bit about loving ourselves. Now we're going to speak about loving others. And let me just begin by making this statement that the sole purpose of Jesus dying on the cross was for one thing, people. The sole purpose for Jesus dying on the cross was for people, all right? In other words, royal, holy, sinless blood was shed for people, all kinds of people. Jesus didn't die for material things. I'm sorry to, to disappoint some of you this morning, but he didn't die for material things. He actually died for people. The sole purpose of Jesus shedding blood, being whipped, having his beard plucked from his face, and being punched in the face was not for lands and houses and cars and suits and shoes and all kinds of stuff, all right? The sole purpose was for people. Can I get a better amen? And when we pursue uh, people, making people our first priority, in other words, winning the lost at any cost. When we make that a priority, making people a priority, everything else will come. The land will come. The houses will come. The shoes will come. But it's about people. And the material things come, the material things come so that you in turn can be a blessing to people. So it begins with people and it ends with people. How many of you can see what I'm, what I'm trying to say? We got the whole story the wrong way around, all right? Jesus didn't die so that you could get five houses and drive 300 cars and have every kind of watch, and there's nothing wrong with that. The sole purpose of him dying on the cross was for people, and we, we make people our priority. Hallelujah. Winning the lost at any cost. All these other things will come. They will come. You won't even have to pray them in. They will just come. You'll have so much that you'll have to start giving out. You'll have so much that you'll have to start get giving out. You'll be like Peter in the boat. We need some help here. The boat is sinking. I've got so much business. Who would like some of my business? Is there anybody in this place? Hallelujah. And I say that to say this, that everything that Jesus loves, 
is actually in a person. Everything that Jesus loves is actually found in a person, in people. Life is all about people. Would you look at somebody and tell them life is all about people? Now look at somebody and tell them, you got me whether you like me or not. You got me. I'm, I'm here for life. Life is all about people. And here's the next statement I want to make. People matter to God. And if they matter to God, they ought to matter to you and I. Can I get a big amen in this place? You see, the bottom line is this. If we love God, we're going to love people. If you love God, you're going to automatically, oh, but pastor, I'm not a people person. No, if you love God, I'm not talking about whether you have the capacity to love people. I'm talking about if you love God and there is a love relationship with you and God, God will supernaturally put love on the inside of you for people. Loving God means I love people. It's impossible for you to say, I love God, but you cannot love people. And there's a scripture that I'll back that up with in just a moment. Hallelujah. So our relationship with others flows out of our relationship with God. I said that to you. And so because of that, building good relationships is very important to God. It's important to God. It's actually a God thing. Building good relationships is actually a God thing. Why is it? Because when you have, when you have good relationships, they build good marriages. When you have a good relationship, it will build good families. When you have a good relationship, it will build good businesses. It will build a good church. Hello, anybody in this place? Amen. Praise God. If you have good relationships, it will build good neighborhoods, good cities. A good nation is built because good relationships were forged. Amen. And we believe in that. The one thing that stands out amongst about Jesus and his ministry was his amazing love for people. When you, when you read all four Gospels and you look at all the interactions that he had with people, the one thing that stands out in the ministry of Jesus was his love for people. And with that came his desire to build relationally. Now, we know that there were masses of people that Jesus had, and there was kind of a relationship with those, as much as you can have with a mass of people. But out of the mass of people, he had 70 that were closer, and he built relationally with them. And yet, out of the 70, he had 12, that even there was more intimate relationship, and he was able to build relationally. And out of the 12, he had three that were really close, he was able to build an even more intimate relationship. And out of the three, he had the one that he had really a very close relationship. And what was his name? Great name, that. I want to just say, it's a great name. He was closest to John. The point I'm trying to make is that Jesus was able to build relationally with people. Let's look at Ephesians 1, 5, verse 1. In the New King James, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering 
and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So there's something about the way that you, if you imitate God, something is going to come out of your life. Look at the Message Bible. It says, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Mm -hmm. Observe how Christ loved us. Now pay attention here. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Isn't that amazing? Jesus didn't love in order to get something back in return. He loved limitlessly, and when he did, he wasn't expecting anything in return. I like the way the Passion Bible puts it. It says there, be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as his beloved sons and daughters. Verse 2, and continue to walk surrounded, or surrendered rather, to the extract, surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration, a sweet, healing fragrance. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we know that the Bible says that God is love, and if we have a loving relationship with God, then we will want to love and build relationally with people. Amen? Everybody happy in this place this morning? Amen. To love and build relationally means you have to see people through the eyes of Jesus. If we're going to love and build intentionally and purposely and have relationships with people, we're going to have to see people through the eyes of Jesus. If you look at people through the natural eyes, oh boy, you can write a book about how this is wrong and it's too tall and too short and it's too loud and it's too soft and it's too this and it's too that and what, what, what. And we can write volume one and volume two and maybe go on to a 10-part series if you look at people through the natural eyes. And you won't be able to love them, and you won't be able to build relationally with them. But if you see people through the eyes of Jesus, then it means that you are able to see what they are capable of. You are able to see their potential. When you look at people through the eyes of Jesus, you can see what is possible when God is in their lives. Now, I can see he's having a problem, but can I see if God grabs a hold of that father? What would happen if God grabbed a hold of that husband? What if he had a super, what if the Holy Ghost overwhelmed that woman and she had a divine encounter with God? Can you see that person transformed? That's how it is to see people through the eyes of Jesus. All things are possible when a person, a somebody, hallelujah, is filled with God. Can I get a better amen this morning? And when we see people through the eyes of, of Jesus, we then will value people intentionally and purposely. Everybody has value. Lift your hands and say, I have value. I have value. 
Come on. Every single person has value. The devil's job is to go around and devalue people. And that's what sin's primary purpose is. It is to make you feel worthless. It is to make you feel like you have no value. Every human being has value. If you didn't have value, then Jesus shed his blood for, for nothing. But the fact that royal, sinless, holy blood was shed means you have value. Would you look at three people right now, look at them in the eye and say, you have value. You have value. You have value. I don't care what the teacher told you. I don't care what your uncle told you. I don't care what your next door neighbor told you. I don't care what the, uh, whoever told you. You have value. Lift your hands and say, I have value. I am a child of God and I have value. Hallelujah. How can we value people? By loving, by caring, by forgiving, by accepting, by reaching out. Hallelujah. In other words, we are always looking for opportunities to love like Jesus. That's the bottom line. Now, if you go to 1 John chapter 4, I'm not going to read all of these scriptures, but 1 John 4 is very powerful. It begins in verse 7. We'll probably read 7 and 8 in the New King James. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for lovers of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves is what? Is born of God and knows God. Say it again. Everybody who loves is born of God. He who does not love does not know God. I don't care if you know Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, if you know you got inside revelation of when Jesus is coming again, if you are not able to love, the Bible says you do not know God, for God is love. Now let's go down to verse uh, 19. We love him because he first loved us. You didn't first love God, and then he decided, oh, I think I love John. I think I love Joy because she loved me. No, you love God because he first loved you. And then it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother as well. Let's look at the Passion Translation. There's a bit of passion in here now as we look at the Passion Translation. It says, verse 7, those who are loved by God, let us love continually. Let us love when? Just on Sundays. Christmas days. When you got paid your 13th check, your bonus check. Let us love what? Continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of Him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. That's what the Bible says. I'm just reading the Bible. Verse 19, our love for others is our grateful response to the love first demonstrated to us. Anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred toward another believer. This makes him a phony. This makes him what? This makes him a phony. Because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can see, how can you truly love God whom you can't see? For he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also demonstrate love to others. It's pretty, I mean, these are weighted statements that we are reading from the Bible. One more translation, the message. 
All right, verse 7 says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. But pastor, I've been here for 55 and a half years. (laughs) Sorry to say, but if you don't love God, you don't know the first thing about God. Because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. Verse 19. We, though, are going to love, love, and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. Whoa. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he cannot see? And then it says this, the command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Can I get a better amen or an ouch or a ah, that's whatever, amen? So how did Jesus love people? Because he's our, he's our example. He's the one that we emulate. How did Jesus love people? Well, he loved them, number one, unconditionally. There was no conditions placed on them. He loved them, number two, unreservedly. Hallelujah. He loved them sincerely. Hallelujah. Nice to see you this morning. <laughs> you got this like big smile, but on the inside of you, if you could do something else, you would do it. Amen. He loved them sincerely. He loved them extravagantly. He loved them sacrificially. Because that's really the bottom line is, are you able to sacrifice? Amen. And then the thing that I love about Jesus I mean, that's when you talk about how do he love people, but when you look at his relationships, Jesus never forced relationships. Come on now. How many of you know that if a relationship is forced through wrong motives or maybe demands guilt or some kind of an obligation, it will be an insincere relationship, and it will actually be a meaningless and a very shallow relationship. So just like our love for God flows from our hearts spontaneously to God, that's how our relationships with people ought to be, spontaneously from our heart. We are not forced to love God. Nobody is forced to love God. That's why you were given free volition. You have the the power to choose. Every human being has the power to choose. It's like if I come home, and my kids l- love on me, not because I demand, you will love me. You will love me three times a day. When I come in, you will put everything down. You will bow on one knee. No, I, I don't. That's not, we don't demand love. It's not forced. I mean, if my kids did that because I demanded that, there would be nothing in it for me. But boy, it touches my heart when they just spontaneously say, Dad, I love you. Just, you know, just spontaneously. When it flows out of their heart, it is awesome. You cannot force anybody to love you, just like God cannot force us to love Him. Can I get an amen? 
It is something, yeah, you, he first loved you, and you encountered that love. And out of that, out of that encounter flows a spontaneous love for God, right? And when that happens, it's sincere, it's wholehearted, it's intimate, and it's meaningful. So Jesus never forced relationships. But one thing about relationships is Jesus, he saw every relationship as an investment. Hallelujah. He looked at every single person and said, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to invest my love. I'm going to invest my word in you. I'm going to invest my time in you. I'm going to invest my prayer in you. I'm going to invest my anointing. He looked at every relationship as an investment. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? And that's what relationships are. They are investments that we are making into the lives of people. I'm making a Jesus investment in you. I'm making a kingdom investment in people. You're making a Jesus investment in me, a kingdom investment in me. And like all investments, they require time. They require energy. They require patience. Hello? Patience. They require persistence. They require uh, consistency. And like all investments, they require a lot of hard work. Hallelujah. Anybody married can tell me that it takes hard work to make that marriage work. Well, I just get up in the morning and we just cruise. And I've been married for 300 years and we just simply cruise. Sometimes we don't even see each other for three weeks. But, hey, we're like this, you know. It's cruise and yeah, what are you on, man? No, it's, it takes hard work to make a relationship work. It takes hard work, it's, and it's an investment, hallelujah. And like every in investment, they have a high return or it may have a low return. You will only know at the very end whether it had a high return or a low return. That doesn't stop you, though, from investing in people. Jesus never judged people, even though he knew what Judas was about to do. Now, hang on, Judas. Uh, you, you don't even, I, I know what you're going to do. I don't want to waste my time right now. I said, can you just go and stand outside the door? I want to just share something with my disciples. Huh? He knew what Judas was going to do, and still he invested in him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. Hey, but Peter, you're my man. I'm still going to invest in you. Hallelujah. Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain. Hang on a moment. Uh, God, before I transfigure, could you just get Peter out of the senior? Because I know he's about to deny me three times. Uh, and so can you just send him down the mountain? No, he was there. He saw. He was part of the glory. Hallelujah. Even when Jesus spoke about, you know, if, if, if I, you, you, in order for you to be a part of me, you have to drink my blood. You have to eat of my flesh. And the Bible says many of the disciples deserted him right there and then. Even before that happened, Jesus was still investing in them. Right at the last minute when he was at the cross and everybody deserted him. And mostly it was the woman that were at the cross. Thank you, woman. But even then, he invested, he took his time to love every single person. 
Hallelujah. He continued to love and pour himself into people. Come on. If you love people the way Jesus loved people, you will see every person as valuable and as a worthwhile investment. Not for your gain, not for your fulfillment, but for the kingdom's gain and the kingdom's purpose and the kingdom's fulfillment. Hallelujah. I want to make this statement, loving people and building relationally means we choose to invest in people. It's what I'm doing here on a Sunday. It's what I'm doing Monday to Friday, Monday to Sunday, Monday to Sunday, Monday to Sunday. I'm, in, I'm investing in people. You're investing in me. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? Jesus spent his time on earth investing in, in people. He did that with the 12, and when he left... What he had deposited in the 12 became the 120 in that upper room. Hallelujah. And what was in the 120 soon became 3,000 people. And what was invested in the 3,000 people became 5,000 people. And on and on and on and on until you and I here in 2019, if Jesus had not invested in people, we wouldn't be here today. I mean, think about that. If Jesus never took time to invest in people, you and I would not be here. Hallelujah. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if Pastor Fred and Sister Nell didn't take time to invest themselves into us. And now Pastor Fred is in heaven, but we are here and you are here. And one day I'll get to heaven and, and I would have invested in people and they will be here. And should Jesus tarry, the kingdom perpetuates and the light shines brighter and brighter. And the ability to win people to the Lord and make disciples of them continues because of our choice to invest in people. Can you say praise the Lord? Now, loving people and building relationally is no easy task because people are people. You will always find a Judas in your midst. You will always find a Peter that will deny you and deserters that will promise you everything and then leave you, and that's fine. But as long as your vertical relationship with God is intact means that you will always, you will always be able to find a supernatural love and a supernatural strength to continue to love and build relationally. And some people will fight you and oppose you and say unkind things about you, but that doesn't deter you. It doesn't stop you from loving and building like Jesus loved and built. Romans 12 and 18 says, if it is possible, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If it is possible. Hallelujah. If it is at all possible. Amen. Sometimes it's not possible. But that doesn't stop you. Hello? Sometimes it's not possible. Can I get an amen in this place? As long as you have no ought, as long as there is no hatred in your heart, as long as there's no resentment, no bitterness in your heart, you carry on. And that only happens if you maintain your vertical relationship, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that's within you. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? You see, everything revolves around that vertical element. If they want to fight you, let them fight you. If they want to badmouth you, then let them badmouth you. If they want to gossip about you, that's okay. It's not going to stop you and me from loving like Jesus loved. 
Can I get an amen? And sometimes it's impossible to avoid conflict, but you can be prepared for it. Hallelujah. And sometimes the better thing to do is just to say, I agree to disagree. I agree to disagree and shake your hands on that. And I agree to disagree and walk from there and have no ought and have nothing in your heart, but agree to disagree. There's nothing wrong with agreeing to disagree. Not everybody thinks like you. Not everybody sees it the way that you see it. Hallelujah. I like what somebody said. They said, the ultimate test of a relationship is to disagree but to hold hands. Can you disagree and still hold hands? Huh? Mm. I see Nancy's got her eyes up. It's a bit of a tall ask that you're asking of us. Can you still, can you disagree and still hold hands if that vertical relationship is intact and you're loving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, everything that's within you, then out of that, that's going to give you the power to love others intentionally. You see, as human beings, we were wired with the need to be loved. Every single person wants to be loved. I don't care who you are this morning. Every human being that was made in the image of God was made with the need to be loved. That's why love is such a powerful force. I mean, you can preach like an angel. You can, we can heal three people of cancers and tuberculosis. God can heal them and do wonderful things. But if there's no love, you actually have nothing. You can prophesy and even give the toothpaste that the person is using and what he had for supper three weeks ago. But if there is no love, it means nothing. It means nothing. Love is a universal language. And I've said it before. If an animal can respond to love, what about human beings, man? But I'm not talking about the Hollywood love. You love me, I love you. You say something nice, I say something nice. I give you 10 rand, you give me 1,000 rand. No, I'm just kidding. No, not that kind of love. I'm talking about with the love of God. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? Somebody said this, a baby is born with the need to be loved and never outgrows it. On the inside of every one of us is a baby that needs to be loved. Hallelujah. Everyone needs to be loved. Now, I've got these cards that I made for every single person, and I'm going to ask, are they, can we hand them out right now? I want, I want every single person to get a card, and this card says, it says, what I love about you. Now, I, don't give it to your husband. Don't give it to your spouse wife. Don't give it to your children. I want you to find somebody, especially somebody that you have a bit of ought with. I want you to find something about them that you love. Hallelujah. All right? And I want you to write that about them. I love the way you bake a cake. I love the way that you just are always mindful of people. I love the way that you always lift Jesus up. I don't know. You've got to put something in there. At the back of this card is all our details. They're being handed out right across the campuses. All right? Because I want us to put this into practice. And it'll be a way of inviting people to church as well. 
to say that you love them and you care about them. Amen? So, maybe you can tell me what you love about me or you don't love about me. I'm just kidding. But let's use this card, all right, as a means to tell people what we love about them because I want us to put this into practice. Loving God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, loving ourselves, and then loving others right now. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead. Hand them out across the campuses, all right? Who does not have a card? Lift your hand up. If you do not have a card, I want everybody to have a card. At the back of the card is all our details, the, in, the addresses, the various campuses, the times of the services. And we're going to use this as well to bring people to the Lord. Can you say amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you for your word that's come to us today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the ability to love supernaturally. We didn't love you first, but you said that you first loved us. This incredible love, Father, I pray that those who are not familiar with your love today would encounter this love right across the campuses, Lord. I know there might be disappointment. They might be let down. Whatever the situation is, but I thank you today that your love is able to overwhelm. Let your love flow like a mighty river, I pray. Let every heart encounter the love of God. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed, you see that love is coming to you today. And I want to ask you, what will you do with that love? You say, Pastor, my life is not right with God. I'm away from God. But today, as you spoke about love, I feel God's love. And you said that we are valuable. I never heard that before. I never felt as valuable as right now. I've been made to feel valueless and worthless. And today, though, I feel valued and loved. Friend, I want to ask you, what is it that you will do with that love? You can do one of two things. You can embrace it and receive it. Or you can reject it. Love is not a thing. Love is not an emotion. Love is actually a person. His name is Jesus. 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross for you and for me. And all of our mess, all of our sin was placed upon him. Jesus took it all. He who knew no sin was made to know my sin and your sin. What an incredible thought that is right there. Just an incredible thought. And Jesus died. Three days later, he was raised back to life. What is the implication? The implication simply is that your sin and my sin could not defeat Jesus. All that we have ever done in this world that has brought failure, misery, shame, embarrassment, and guilt could not kill our Savior, Jesus Christ. Three days later, he triumphed over sin, hell, and the grave and rose triumphantly and victoriously. And so I want to tell you today that the power that sin has has been broken through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The power of sin has been broken. You say, but yet why are there so many people walking in sin? 
bound by sin, mastered by sin, because that is a choice that they have made. Today, you can make a choice to receive this love and to receive this wonderful person called, called Jesus. And when you do, immediately, immediately, instantaneously, the power of that sin over your life will be broken. And the greatest of all miracles is that you will be given a brand new heart, a brand new nature. You take on God's nature. Hallelujah. In just a moment, in just the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, God will give you a heart transplant. And you didn't need a cardiologist. You didn't need an anesthesiologist. You didn't need to check into Parklands or into Benny Hospital or Gateway Hospital. But right here, supernaturally, in the blinking of an eye, he can perform the greatest heart transplant. Give you a brand new heart, a brand new nature. With every head bowed, every eye closed right now. I'd like to pray for those of you that say, Pastor, that's me. I need a heart transplant. And boy, oh boy, I'm sensing this amazing love. I didn't know that God could still love me even though I messed up. And I messed up big time. I didn't know that it was possible for God to even want me in the place that I'm finding myself. I want to tell you, He wants all of you. He wants all of you. Right now, I'm going to pray for those of you. All right, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand up as an indication for me to pray for you. Right across the campuses. Here we go. One, two, get ready. Three, lift your hand up high. Lift your hand up high. God bless you. God bless you, young man. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? Right across the campuses. Lift your hands up high. Lift your, yeah, I want God. I want His love. I want His mercy. I want a brand new heart. I want the nature of God. Would you pray for me? I will. I will. I will. God bless you. God bless you. Here's what I want to do this morning. I know that there are many of you right now. I'd like to pray for you. And I don't mean to belittle you or anything like that, but I think it would be good. Right across the campuses, if you put your hand up, if you would go ahead and stand up and come and join me in the front, I want to pray for you. All right? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you put your hand up, come on, sir. Come on, young man. Come. 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 Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Just come right now. In the name of Jesus. Come. Come. Come right now. Come. Anybody else? Come on. In the back. God bless you, sir. That's right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Wonderful. Let's put our hands together and welcome them this morning. Right across the campuses. Just come. Just come. That's good. That's good. Come home, your sins are forgotten. There is room at the foot of the cross. Just one more time. Is there anybody else right now, right across the campuses? Here's what we're going to do we're going to hand back to. Phoenix, we're going to hand back to Hillcrest right now. Can we put our hands together and give them a big God bless you? All right. Amen. We'll see you tonight, 5 p.m. We're going to have a great time in the presence of God. Those of you that are here this morning, praise the Lord. 
You know what? I feel like there's a couple of more people right now that need to come. That's what I feel in my heart. I don't want you to feel shy. If you need somebody to walk with you to come to the front, then put your hand up and somebody will come. But I feel that there are at least five more people that need to respond this morning. And I really mean that from my heart. I don't know, you know, and I'm not trying to force anybody, but I just feel today you have to make that decision. Today, today, the rest of your future, the rest of your tomorrow hinges on the decision that you make today. And I want to encourage you to put right with God. There's a husband and wife. You need to put right with God. Your marriage is going to be at sixes and sevens until you both decide you're going to serve God and you're going to go all out for Him. But I want you to come right now. Who are those people? Just come right now. Would you come? Would you respond right now? Would you respond? I'm not going to keep this open for any much longer, but would you come? Would you come wherever you are? That's right. That's right. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come home, the Father is waiting. Come home, your sins are forgotten. There is room at the foot of the cross. Let's all stand up this morning in this place. Praise the Lord. Those of you in the front, I'm going to just ask you to close your eyes. And just repeat this prayer. Everybody, would you help them pray this prayer? Would you say after me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. Just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, and all of my sin. And I ask you for forgiveness. I say yes to you. And to your incredible love right now, thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me. I receive forgiveness. I receive healing. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. And I receive that new nature, the God nature, that you will help me to love others even as you have loved me and I'll never be the same in Jesus name would you stretch your hands out towards these folk right now come on I need some of the pastors and elders just to come and lay hands pray for them come on let's do that let's do that let's do that let's do that the rest of you just keep praying right now come on thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus Come on, everybody, let's pray for them right now. Pray for miracles. Pray for miracles. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Those of you watching by way of live stream, we're praying for you as well. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. They're no longer going to be the same. I thank you for the God nature. I thank you for a God encounter. I thank you for the God kind of love that right now you're pouring into every heart. You're healing emotionally. You're healing mentally. You're healing even physically, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, every bit of pain, every bit of anguish, every bit of disappointment, 
in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you take away every bit of shame, every bit of embarrassment, every bit of guilt, every bit of condemnation right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.